So, yeah, we're just going to pray in to start with, Lord. So we, Lord, we just thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that it brings life and power and authority, Lord. And I just pray this morning, Lord, it will just reach out into this congregation, Lord, and you just administer how you see fit to each and every person, Lord, and that your word will not come back to your void, but it will um, do the intention that you had for it this morning. In Jesus' name, yeah. amen. Right. So, Bible-believing, eh? Good thing the Bible, really, because otherwise, if we didn't have the Bible, we'd be wasting our time here this morning a bit, wouldn't we? Thinking, <laughs> what should we be singing about or talking about? So, I'm going to get straight into Scripture this morning, because it's... Um, coming from the Bible. So we have a lot of scripture this morning. I'm going to start with John 1, 1. It should be up there. So, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, the Word referred to here is Jesus. And this is telling you a time before creation, this before Genesis is, when Jesus was with God. So, Jesus wasn't created. He was there at the beginning, the beginning of the beginning, if you like. So the translation of word, or the Greek translation, is a word called logos, which basically means the expression of a thought. So in this context, it can be thought of as the total message of God to man. So another Greek word is rima, which refers to the actual spoken and written word of God. An example of that would be when Jesus was uh, tempted by uh, Satan in the desert, and he answered, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word. that proceeds from the mouth of God. So, the Bible claims to be the written and spoken expression of thoughts by God himself. And it explains how the universe was created, the nature of God, how he created it, who created it. It holds all the answers to life's biggest questions, including the fate of mankind. But what is the Bible exactly? Well, it's 66 volumes, written over a period of 1,500 years in three languages, Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic. And it has over 40 different authors from all walks of life. We have tax collectors, kings, prophets, fishermen, historians. It covers the Jewish genealogy, uh, Jewish history. It foretells of a Jewish Messiah coming um, to save mankind. Mentions Amalekites, Jebusites, Stalactites. You may wonder what stalactites are in the Bible for. They're just hanging. I'll just put it in to see if you're listening, actually. I'm not sure they're actually mentioned. But anyway, read it for yourself, you'll find out. Um, so it's not a book about rules and regulations. It's also about the supernatural events, incredible miracles and healings of Jesus Christ, the Saviour, overcoming death, being raised to life, and redeeming the world. It's a manual for living in right standing with God, in righteousness with God. It's full of wisdom, it's full of direction, and it gives you a hope for every single person in any situation you, you face yourself. Now, the whole Bible is translated into over 724 languages. Um, but if you want partial translations, it's more than 3,300. It's been translated into many versions, such as the King James, the New International, the Amplified... Uh, the message, the truth, and the very popular Dyson Vax. That's the one that just gathers dust on the shelf. Anyway, it's the world's best-selling book. So I hope you've got a copy. Oh, you know what you're missing out on. So the Bible makes big claims, but does it come up to scrutiny? 
Yes, somebody said. So there you are then. <laughs> Job done. <laughs> but the first question, I suppose, is did Jesus even exist? Because obviously the Bible mentions him quite a bit. He's a central character in the Bible. But the, the answer to that question is yes. Independent writers at the time of Jesus, uh, when he was walking the earth, um, have documented that he lived um, in the places he said, and he definitely existed. So there could be no question of that. Now, a strength of the Bible is the fact that it is a collection of stories by 40 different authors. It's not just one person writing with his own agenda. It's 40 different people with 40 different sort of views, all covering the same subject. Um, I mean, some of you may know that when I first... uh, Well, some of you may know, one of my hobbies is um, uh, deer-watching and studying deer in the forest. And when I first began that in the 1970s, I was first getting interested. I started looking for books and it would tell me something about the natural history of deer. And there were very, very few at that time. And what I discovered was that most of them came from the same source. Most quotes obviously all came from the same source. But what if that person was wrong with his perception and his understanding of what he'd seen? So what I discovered was that the only way I could find out was to find out for myself, was to read, uh, go out in the forest, um, check out on the deer, spend time with them, and get to know them as individuals and learn from them. Spend time seeking... Pardon <coughs> me. Spend time seeking after them. And that's what it's like when you need to get to know Jesus. You need to spend time, rel- spend time reading the Bible, getting to know who he is, because you cannot rely on somebody else's perception of who he is. You have to find out for yourself. So um, the Gospels often mention the same events, um, but from slightly different viewpoints. But again, you know, some people use that as a criticism of the Bible that obviously doesn't match up with that. But... Basically, I mean, we're talking about eyewitness situations. And as we all know, eyewitnesses are never exactly the same. They give you um, an account of what happened. So, for instance, uh, John spoke to the, uh, about evangelism. His, his, his uh, viewpoint was mainly evangelism in the Bible, whereas Matthew was more about um, fulfilling prophecy of the coming Messiah. Um, and Luke was a historian, and he wanted facts and, and, chron- and chronologically um, write things down. So the Bible... Is, is accurate in that sense, 40 people. It's also a reliable collection of historical documents. You know, over 6,000 manuscripts have been translated from the original Greek and Hebrew um, at a time near when Jesus was alive. So this is, again, a, a powerful thing. Now, a criticism of the Bible is that it's been uh, translated upon translation upon translation, and it's weakened it, and it's lost its meaning. But you find this is not true, because... Basically, all translations go back to the original sources. Now, they may have different translations. The source is always the same. Another important point to note is, uh, which we can glean from the following scriptures. Uh, 1, John 1, which says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life, the life appeared, we have seen and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. And there's another scripture as well, 2 Peter 1.16. We did not follow cleverly uh, invented stories, which we told you about, the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, even at the time Jesus was around, people were making up stories about Jesus and some ridiculous things are going around. But what um, John and Peter are saying here is they were eyewitnesses to Jesus. They heard what he said. They saw him. 
And we know eyewitnesses are powerful. You know, they corroborate stories. Uh, you only have to look at the news these days sometimes when they're talking about the war in Ukraine. The, the, the news uh, reporter will mention something and say, but well, we haven't actually seen this ourselves. We heard it, but we haven't seen it. And we know, um, if, if you've ever done jury duty, you'll know that when they bring in witnesses, they're powerful evidence of what actually happened. They give powerful testimonies of what they thought happened. So an eyewitness is a very powerful thing. A further point um, which gives credence to the truth of the Bible is biblical prophecy. Now, Jesus has fulfilled over 300, visual, uh, sorry, over 300 individual Old Testament prophecies about him, things like including where he was going to be born, how, would be, how he would be born of a virgin, how he would die on a cross, even though crucifixion at that time had not even been invented, not even been thought of. It mentions how he'd go into Jerusalem on a donkey. It mentions that um, there would be a messenger before him. There's a whole load of prophecies, and every single one of those prophecies have occurred and happened, okay? And again, that's a powerful thing. It's great credence to the claims of the Bible. Now, there was a statistician who had a lot of time on his hands, apparently, because he was working out the chances of eight of his prophecies being fulfilled by one individual person. And that amount was one to one zero 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 zero. Zero, zero, zero. I'm just saying lots of zeros now. I've lost, quite, <laughs> I've lost track of where they were. But especially 17 zeros. So I think that's 17 to the power of 10. Danielle's here. She'd know, tell me that. So the chances are a minuscule, really. That, that, that just happening randomly just virtually just could not happen, basically. Also in Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22, they both give very vivid and prophetic descriptions of Jesus on the cross. And, what, what, and again, this is prophetically telling what is going to happen many years later. So these fulfilled prophecies can give us confidence in what the Bible says is true. And also, what it says about future prophecies, that they also are going to come true. So we know a God that is true to his word is a clear indication of the truth of the Bible. And finally, another thing we could take into account is the fact that disciples who had eyewitnessed uh, Jesus and heard what he'd said and seen what he'd done and these incredible miracles, they were prepared to preach the word of God fervently in the face of great danger and massive persecution, even to the point of death. And many of them, uh, most of them died pretty horrific deaths, actually. But they really believed in their hearts what they were carrying was the message of God. And, you know, basically, they prepared to die for it. And that's surely an indication that if you're prepared to die for something, you really believe in it. So, we believe Bible is God's revelation to mankind, the inspired, infallible word of truth. It's a super, supreme authority on what it teaches and affirms without error. But today, some people, as you may have realized, still choose to scoff or ignore the Bible. People choose, to, in innocence or ignorance of God's word, to justify doing their own thing. Quite often, the, the thought is, everyone else does this, so it must be okay for me to do it too. It's like the sort of sheep mentality, really. Just follow everybody else. But the Bible teaches that one day, each and every one of us will stand before Jesus and have to justify what we've done with our life. 
And you know, there's not going to be a crowd of your friends around with you at that point. It's just going to be you and Jesus. You know, there's an analogy I thought of this morning, really. That if I was driving 60 miles an hour in a 30-mile-an-hour limit, and I got stopped for speeding, and I went to court, I cannot plead ignorance. I hadn't read the highway code. And they'd say, okay, well, that's fine. Then off you go. No. Ignorance is not a defense of the law. And so it's going to be when you meet with Jesus. The fact that you haven't read the Bible or didn't know the Bible is not going to wash. You know, it's there, available for you in more ways than it's ever been before. Not just books, but on the internet, all sorts. So, yeah, people just cannot plead ignorance anymore. And like Pastor Paul said many times before, actually, when he's been preaching, that people these days choose to live by their own truth, not the truth of the Bible. They have a belief system of their own making, which sounds good to them. But there's no proper direction. No one knows where it's going to lead because they haven't thought that far ahead. has no accountability other than to themselves. It sounds great. But if you're fallible, maybe it's not so great. And you know what? We're all fallible. So, the Bible is the truth, the highest authority, the word above all words. I mean, have you ever thought about sort of language and words? Okay, I'm sure no, Annie has, I can tell. Um, but I'm sure a lot of you have. But um, they have power and they have meaning. But sometimes they always don't mean what they say sort of thing. So, um, I'll give you an example. I mean, like something's gone wrong, you're having a bad day, you'll say something like, it's all gone pear-shaped. Yeah, I mean, why we say pear-shaped, I don't know. Why not avocado or carrot, cucumber, but pear-shaped. Why do we say that? But if I said it to you, you know what I mean. And it also has that deep theological question as well attached to that as well. If you're a pear having a bad day, what shape do you go? (laughs) Another one is, it's curtains. I mean, why curtains? Why not blinds? You know what I mean? Why not cushions or pillows? It would make just as much sense. You've got my goat. No, I haven't got your goat. (laughs) I don't want your goat. They're smelly, horrible animals. Where would I keep it? But you know what I mean. Another one. The cat got your tongue. What, What does that mean? You know what it means, but I mean, why? Why has it come up like that? The cat got it. Why not the dog? Or the mouse? Or the goldfish, yes. Or the final one, you eat with your eyes. No. <laughs> Have you tried it? It's all gravy dripping down your face. Crumbs in your eyebrows. It's horrible. And I remember when I was young and I was sitting at a table, my parents never said to me, don't talk with your eyes full. But Jesus often spoke in parables and and analogies and figuratively to illustrate points he was making. And people may be a bit slow to understand sometimes, good to explain it, but they did understand it. But the question, I suppose, really is, should the Bible be taken literally? And the answer to that is yes. As Pastor Paul said earlier on, we believe the Bible from cover to cover. Everything he said, we believe. It's not for us to change words or change the order or the meaning. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, 
his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So it's very easy. We were saying earlier on about everyone just following other people, about conforming to the pattern of this world. And being a Christian is the opposite of that. We don't want to conform to the pattern of that world. The Bible asks us not to do that. So those people are over there doing that, but we are different people here. We, we, we follow Jesus. We do what the Bible says over here. It may make us unpopular. It might not fit in with what other people want us to do, but we stick with that. It says here, you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, when you read the Bible, take, don't just read it and just let it all wash over you. Just think about what it's being said. Renew your mind. Change your thinking. That's what it means here. And it says, then you will be able to attest and to prove what God's will is. And how do we know what God's will is for us? Because we read the Bible. And it says, it's good and pleasing and perfect will. You know, here's a plan for us, which is perfect. You know, when I became a Christian... There were so many um, things I didn't understand about God, and I'd been prevaricating for a long time, and I kept saying, well, when you answer this question, this question, this question, I'll become a Christian. But every time you answered a question, there was another hundred questions on top of that. And I realized, actually, eventually, I was never, ever going to become a Christian that way. And I was in a pretty dark place at that time. I just felt my life had no direction. It was going nowhere. So... I said to God, I was out in the forest, I just gave my life to the Lord then, I remember it was pouring down with rain, but I just said to him, look, I don't understand everything, but I'll come to you with an open mind and an open heart. And if you just show me who you are and give me understanding, then I will stay with you. That must have been a great relief to him to hear that. <laughs> but... The great thing is, that's what he did. I mean, I knew who I was at that time, and I thought, I'll probably do it for a three, couple of weeks, and then I'll get fed up with it and walk away. But God was such a, so faithful to his word. He just showed me who he was, and he's given me a hope and a life. And everybody's just, <laughs> like so many people here, just changed our lives completely and given us a direction. You know, Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And that's what happened to me. It just changed the course of my life from the darkness into the light, into a hope and a future. Joshua 1.8 says, Do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do, to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. I mean, that's a fantastic promise, isn't it? That if you read the Bible and you do what it says, you will be, not you might be, but you will be prosperous and successful in all you do. Now, that's not to say you won't have any problems or tribulations because the Bible also says you will have tribulation. We know that. But the great thing is God's going to be with you and he's going to take you the other side of your tribulation to victory. So the Bible should be our manual for life. It covers every subject we may encounter. Now, when I was young and a bit naughty, I know you can't imagine that now, but sometimes I would be, my dad would say to me, you'll feel the back of my hand in a minute. I don't know what it was about the back of his hand because it used to scare me. You know, was it covered in scales or did he have leprosy or sores? Was he just like had a gorilla's hand or something? I don't know. I never found out. I was too scared. It always had the effect of sort of rebuking me. But I wish he'd have been a Christian because then he could have used 2 Timothy 3.16, which says... All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Hebrews 4.12 says, 
For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit and joints and marrow. And discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So it judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. It's measuring our obedience to God's word. But what I love in that scripture there is, it's living and active. It's not just empty dead words on a page, but the words even today carry authority and power. Now, there are over 7,000 promises in the Bible for humankind. So it's one for any situation you may face in your life, okay? What you need to do is find one and keep declaring God's word over your situation, no matter how hopeless it seems, because situations where you're declaring uh, scripture over build faith, and it changes the atmosphere from hopeless to hope. You know, we've got a great example in our church here, old Dave Prince over there. I say say, old Dave Prince. (laughs) Dave Prince over there. Now, we, we know his situation. He was suffering with cancer. He had some treatment, and it basically destroyed his lungs. And if you remember, if you came to his, um, the evening service we had with him in the hospital on, on TV there, you know, he looked very pale, he looked very ill. Um, and that was a, a critical weekend, really, because he was in a really sort of poor situation. And the doctors had really didn't expect him to survive, basically. Um, but luckily, we love doctors, and we appreciate all they do, but we don't actually listen to what doctors say. We listen to what God says. And we stood on God's word for Dave. We, we were declaring scripture as a church, day in, day out for him. And one of those scriptures we, we used was uh, Psalm 41, verses 1 to 3, which says, uh, Blessed are those who have regard for the weak. The Lord delivers them in times of trouble. The Lord protects and uh, preserves them. They are counted among the blessed in the land. He does not give them over to the desires of their foes, but the Lord sustains them on their sickbed and restores them from their bed of illness. Okay? Now, we are eyewitnesses to that because there's Dave over there. He's fit and healthy, looking younger than ever. He gave a great testimony here the other week that you know, he was out playing football two games in a row. Okay? That's from lying in a bed when he could hardly breathe and he couldn't even get out of bed to walk one pace without being exhausted, to playing two successive games of football. I mean, he's still rubbish at football. But, <laughs> but so only the first part of the miracle. <laughs> but we're believing the second part's going to come through. No, he's good at football, really. I'm just trying to get your pride down a bit, Dave. Okay. So another reason... Um, so, yeah, so if you need faith, where does it come from? What does the Bible say? The Bible says it comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. Another reason we need to know the truth is we need to know what is not the truth. Especially in this day and age, there's so many uh, misrepresentations of who God is and what God said. In Ephesians, the first uh, uh, piece of armor it mentions, it says, the belt of truth which is the word of God. It's our first line of defense against any plan the enemy has against us. You know, we don't believe what the enemy says or what other people say. We only believe what God tells us about ourselves. Yeah, Matthew 24, 11 says, And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. And that's talking about uh, the times we're living in at the moment, really. 
2 Timothy 4.3, uh, in the Amplified Version, it says, For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine and accurate instruction that challenges them with God's truth. But wanting to have their ears tickled with something pleasing, they will accumulate for themselves many teachers to satisfy their own desires and to support the errors they hold. That's a very powerful statement, isn't it, really? People do not want to tolerate sound doctrine because it doesn't fit in with their lifestyle. It doesn't fit in with what they want to do. Yeah, we're in the time of these prophecies now. But only this week, on the news, there was a, I think it was a Church of England bishop was saying that calling for the church to allow gay marriage. Um, and that's in direct contravention of God's word. And this is the church. You know, so that time when, why are we saying those things? Because people want to hear that. But we're not here to sort of bow down to people. We're here to bow down to God and what God wants to do. And that's, as a church, that's what we will always do, do what God says. And it might make us unpopular, but not with God it won't. Now, Revelation 22, verses 18 to 19, says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share of a tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Um, yeah, so there are other organizations like the Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, which are very similar sounding to the Bible, but have just tweaked things here and there for their own uses. And they're things that sort of drag, they, they sound good to people, but they just drag people away from the truth of God and who he is. So that's why we need to know what the Bible says and who God is, so we can judge these things. The Matthew 24, verse 35 says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Do you know, a while ago, um, there's a program on TV discussing some of the great inventions um, of the world in, re uh, in the last century. And there was things like the motor car, um, air travel, uh, phones, the internet, uh, obviously the advances in medicine and stuff like that. But I noticed that they forgot to mention something that must be right near the top of that list. And it's this here. Sliced bread. <laughs> How do we know? Because everything that is invented is always the greatest thing since sliced bread. <laughs> I mean, one never says it's the greatest thing since the internet, do we? We never hear that. Or the greatest thing since penicillin. No, it's always since sliced bread. May think, what's he on about now? I don't know, I have no idea. But, <laughs> but Jesus said in John 6.35, I am the bread of life. And he's taking over from here. It's a tag team. It's meaning I am the way, the only way to the Father. So I am essential for your eternal salvation. There's no other way. That's what the Bible says. You can do, you, no, your good deeds will not get into heaven. You just have to accept Jesus as your saviour. He will redeem you. He's paid the price for all your sin. But you have to accept him as your saver. 
John 10, verse 27, 28 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. You know, in the, in, in, in the days when there were shepherds and lots of sheep on the hills, what they used to do was they used to corral all the, uh, get together in a big corral and put all the sheep in there together. And then in the morning, the shepherd would just call his sheep because they'd recognize his voice. He just, and then they'd all go off to wherever they're going to spend the day feeding sort of thing. And this is what Jesus is saying. Yeah, we're his sheep, but we recognize his voice. We know him and we follow him. And in return, he gives us eternal life. No one could snatch them out of his hand. Isn't that a great promise? Hey, the Bible is good news. But what I was thinking was, if Jesus is the bread of life, then in a sense, we, who have received the Holy Spirit, are that slice of bread. Because we're armed with the authority and power of Jesus to do good works. John 14:12 says Truly I say to you whoever believes in me will also do the works that I have been doing in fact they will do even greater things than these Now it doesn't mean to say everyone's going to calm storms or do incredible miraculous healings or walk on water I have walked on water actually I admit it it was frozen but <laughs> I don't know if that counts or not. Probably not. But anyway, um, yeah. So I was reading something the other day, which I thought bore a striking parallel to the times we live in today. And this really is the uh, beginning of the Pentecostal movement. And, and we're a Pentecostal church. Um, so this is around 1890-ish. And American uh, Christians were experiencing a strong reaction to the watering down of Scripture which is something that's very similar to happening today, which used human reasoning and scientific methodology to throw the supernatural out of the Bible, doubting the integrity and the authenticity of the word. So against this, there was a backlash, and the, the holiness movement was formed uh, by Christians, which urged them, other Christians, to accept the word of God as it was written, and that's what we do as a church. We accept God's word as it is written. And they cried out for a more genuine relationship and experience with God. With this came the belief there was more to Christian life than just salvation. Okay, this is what the Bible teaches. There's more to life. God doesn't want us to just be saved and then think, right, that's fine. Got that in my pocket. I'll just carry on with my life. He wants us to become more Christ-like. Go out and spread the word. And it says, believers... Uh, we're expected to go on to experience sanctification. That's being made holy, freed from uh, sin, set apart for God's purposes. John seventeen seventeen says, uh, sanctify them by the truth of your word. So they're expected to live in the ways of God. And with this came a renewal of the gifts of the Spirit. And it was allowing God's Spirit to have freedom to administer as he saw fit. It wasn't down to human agenda. It was down to God's spirit working. And out of that, a few decades later, came revival. And this is a, revival is an incredible thing, really. I was reading, actually, that how you know, they had to shut 
theatres and, and, and various things because no one was going there because everyone was flocking into church. Okay? I mean, you can't imagine it these days at the moment, but I believe that if we follow these four basic prin- principles which are in the Bible, um, which led to his rival, we might well see this thing again. And those things were confess all known sin, hold no unforgiveness in your heart, be obedient to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, and confess Jesus openly to everyone at every opportunity. I always remember uh, something the late Colin Arcott said when he was preaching in this church once, and he said, uh, you can, and it's really stuck with me, this, because it's so profound. You can tell what parts of the Bible you really believe by the parts you're obedient to. So yeah, if you tithe, you believe in it. If you don't tithe, then obviously you just can't really believe in that at the moment. But imagine the spiritual shift that would happen if we all wholeheartedly carried out God's word. If we truly believed everything he said and, and, and acted upon that, how it would just change the, the, the nation. I mean, our connect group recently, we've been talking about how um, one of the things that stops people coming to God is the fact that they say, um, how can he allow so much pain and suffering? But the question maybe should be, why do everyone ignore everything God says and then wonder why they end up in a dark place, down a cul-de-sac, in a complete opposite direction to where he wanted them to be? Because they completely ignored it. I mean, they blame God. He's allowing this. No, you've brought it upon yourself most of the time. So we believe the Bible is truth, and God is faithful to his word. His word is alive and active today. That's when it was written. So find yourself a promise to declare over your life. As I said, there's over 7,000. Get one for your family your workplace, for you. And this is the one that God gave me. It's the one I'm standing on at the moment, which I believe yeah, that God just gave this uh, scripture to me in a dream. Uh, this is Habakkuk uh, 1, verse 5. And it says, Look at the nations and watch, and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told... That's a really powerful thing. And there's many people in this church who believe, and not just inside this church, but other churches, who absolutely believe that God is going to do something very soon. That You can just sense something in the spiritual realms. Something is going to happen. And that's the scripture I'm standing on, that it's going to be in my days. You know, I don't know how many days I've got, probably less than most of yours. I had a birthday today, so it's one step closer to heaven. Don't say happy about that, Stacey. But... Anyway, yeah, I believe that something great is going to happen, okay? But we need to be sanctified. We need to confess our sin, get rid of that unforgiveness we hold, be obedient to the Holy Spirit, and confess Jesus openly. Because that's what we're called to do in the Bible. So, I'm going to end on this. Be expectant, okay? God is faithful. Be doers of the word, not hearers of the word. Yeah, but let's just believe in the word because the word is truth. It's powerful and it's active and it's for us today and tomorrow and every day. In Jesus' name, amen.